This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the airport for the first show of 2021. And although this year has gotten off to a slightly unusual start, uh, we are here to bring you a slice of normality as the Royal News Agenda returns to, I guess, close to normal. Uh, of course, I'm not just here by myself. I am joined by the lovely Maggie Rooley. How are you doing? Hi, Omid. Good. I know you say it's the first episode of 2021. I think we were all so excited to get out of 2020, but I don't know. I mean, we're in lockdown here in London. Um, a lot of, of 2020 seems to have carried over into 2021. But like you said, we have some royals you know, news that'll help power us through in the new year as well. So there's some some bright things to look up to. Yeah, we, we haven't actually seen much of the royals or any of the royals since uh, the start of the year. I think some engagements from before the holidays have sort of started to trickle out, the stuff that may have been embargoed over that period. And we'll talk about some of those a bit later on. But this is traditionally a quiet time for the royal family. Um, engagements rarely resume to normal in that first week of the new year. And of course, uh, this has been you know, slightly different to other years. We are now officially in our third nationwide lockdown here in England. And that, of course, will also change how the royals are working. Things that may have been scheduled to take place in person will have no doubt been delayed. And I'm sure we'll sort of see a return, unfortunately, to those that weren't fans of them at Zoom <laughs> engagements. How many more Zoom engagements can we survive, Omid? But I think you make a good point. I mean, this is kind of a quiet time always for the royals. It's quite a quiet time for everyone sort of after the holidays. I always feel like I go into hibernation anyway in January. This time it's a little bit more enforced. You know, you cannot leave your home. Um, but maybe the royals are also embracing that. I like to think, Omid, I mean, what do you think they're doing right now under lockdown? Like, what are their lockdown 3.0 hobbies that they're picking up? Well, I would imagine for the Cambridges, it's probably a, a relief for them that they don't have to come straight back to London. Usually mm. the kids would be returning to school around now. Of course, with, with the schools officially closed here, it means that George and Charlotte won't be returning to their school in London. So from what I understand, the whole Cambridge family are still at their home at Anmer Hall. We know that the Queen and Prince Philip are still... Uh, nestle together at uh, <laughs> Windsor Castle. Um, you know, it's it's a, dif a diff different time. Um, in fact, funny you ask about where royals are at the moment. We saw something in the news a few weeks ago about how Princess Eugenie and Jack Brooksbank had moved into Frogmore Cottage, that Harry and Meghan had opened the doors to their mm, home to the mm -hmm. couple. And then mysteriously, there was a report saying that they had moved out. And no one really knew exactly where they were. And I saw information today that the couple have actually been spending their holidays with uh, Sarah Ferguson, Fergie, and Prince oh. Andrew at uh, their Windsor Lodge home uh, on the Windsor estate. And so I'd imagine that that's probably where they'll remain up until uh, much later in the year. 
Oh, interesting. So everyone's kind of just making it work right now. You know, I feel like, uh, like everyone, people are finding wherever place they can to sort of hunker in and, and ride this out as safely as possible. And, you know, I, th I think what's also interesting is you mentioned the Cambridges and their kids not going back to school. I also think, you know, all of a sudden they're becoming um, teachers at home, just like so many working parents around the country and around the world that have to sort of uh, figure out how to do homeschooling with their kids. All of a sudden they're right back at it as well. You know, you kind of forget that they have to also do things that the rest of the world has to do. So I imagine they're pretty busy, you know, making sure the kids are occupied and entertained and, and uh, having their education while they're also doing royal work. Yeah, I have a, fr a friend who's uh, a fairly new uh, newcomer to the world of virtual teaching and, and sort of taking their kid through these classes and I think they were particularly disappointed to find out that they would be returning for the beginning <laughs> of the year. A, a lot of people are calling January the 13th month of yeah. 2020 and I, I can kind of see that. <laughs> uh, well what about you Omit? Have you discovered any new hobbies in, in this lockdown? Um, I have recently rediscovered my <laughs> Pokemon card collection. No, stop. Okay, first off, back up. You have a Pokemon card collection? Well, so I'm, I'm currently at my, I was lucky enough to return to uh, my family home just as London was about to go into tier four uh, in December, uh, which was the highest level of restrictions mm -hmm. that we had had in the city so far. And I've actually remained here um, because of course we went straight from tier four into mm -hmm. lockdown and I've decided that I may as well wait it out here. We've got the sort of expanse of the countryside and it's a lot more comfortable, I'd say, than being in the city. But one of the joys of being at home is also going through all of the stuff that you threw in the attic. <laughs> And you thought, thought was you would so never important think about at age again. 11. <laughs> yeah. Including Pokemon cards. But here's, here's why I mention it. Mm. Because if you look them up on eBay, each card has an insanely high value that I never thought would really? be the case. So I'm actually currently pricing up Pokemon card? cards no. to sell. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, this is brilliant. You have a little side hustle going on now. This might be my new calling, Maggie. Wow. <laughs> and now everyone that's listening is going to go on eBay and check out for your Pokemon cards. This was a brilliant sell. I, did, I uh, swear yeah, exactly. I didn't know this. I'm uh, not setting up Omid for a pitch here. It just happened, everyone, organically. <laughs> hit me up in the DMs, yeah. anyone listening, <laughs> if you want interested. a we, we have some real rare collectibles <laughs> there. Uh, Maggie, I understand you've uh, graduated from 1,000-piece puzzles, and you're now... <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So, well, here's my business idea. I've also been wanting to launch a business now under Lockdown 3.0, and that's um, puzzle swapping because we are getting such an insane collection of puzzles, and you can't like redo a puzzle right away. You have to wait. You have to wait like what five years? I don't know before you kind of think it's fun again. So all of a sudden, we're just getting these stack of boxes. You know, we live in a flat in a city, so we don't have a ton of ton of space for extra puzzle boxes. There's only so much puzzles you can store before it becomes ridiculous. So now I'm going to donate them. But I was like, what if, you know, you have a, a big puzzle swap? I'm sure we're not the only ones with an exorbitant amount of extra puzzles now that everyone got into puzzling under lockdown. Right? This could oh, be I something, like Omid. Anyway, we have so... A, um... In the village by us, we have a phone booth, an old red oh. phone booth um, that they now use as like a book swap. Huh. So people put their books in there and you take one, leave one. What a cute idea. So we could do a puzzle, take one, leave one. This is brilliant. <laughs> but yeah, I, we have gone off the, the, the deep end. We're doing a 2,000 piece puzzle right now, which is exponentially harder than a 1,000 piece puzzle. But we're almost done. I think tonight we're going to finish it, Omid. And you're staying safe. That's the most important thing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> 
<laughs> Puzzling is a very、um, lockdown-friendly activity. <laughs> and of course, safety is something that we've been thinking about when it comes to the royal family.、Uh, just last month, you and I had. A conversation on the podcast about whether we would hear from Buckingham Palace、um, when the Queen and the Duke、mm-hmm. of Edinburgh have their COVID nineteen vaccinations or their first vaccinations. And at the time, there was sort of a lukewarm response from the palace. They said that obviously it comes under or falls under the category of a medical issue and is not something that they usually address. And I've actually been back to the palace since to get that sort of confirmed that they will not. Be releasing that information, and I think one could expect or presume that the Queen probably has had her vaccine or her first、mm-hmm. vaccine by now. Given that we are, I think, on about 1.5 million, is it、uh, vaccinations yeah, hits in the UK, and the Queen being、uh, one of the most at risk due to her age.、Um, there has been some reporting that suggested that Prince Philip didn't or might not want to have、mm. his vaccine. He turns a hundred this year, but. I, I wanted to bring this up because I, I question whether the royals are missing a trick here.、Um, you know, the Queen I think has done a really successful job of leading this country through or into our first lockdown, bringing that sort of unity and that、uh, sort of calm that she is so adept、mm. at providing in situations like this throughout the lockdown. I wonder if it might help, especially for the many, and, and we see the statistics, who are still a little on the fence about whether they want to have the vaccination when it is their turn.、Yeah. Um, do we need to be seeing our monarch and figures such as、uh, Prince Philip, Duke of Edinburgh, having their vaccinations? Should that be sort of transcending the protocol around、uh, it being a medical issue? I think you make a really good point. I mean, I understand the argument that at first they didn't want to be seen as jumping the line, right? You couldn't have the queen getting it before other people who deserved it. But now that we're in their age bracket, they're not jumping the line. They're like the rest of the population that are vulnerable at that age, and it's their turn for a vaccine. I think it could be really powerful to have them come forward and say, "I got this vaccine. Here's what happened. You know, this is why the rest of the public should get the vaccine." Because, like you say, you know, the doctors have been very adamant and signed. Scientists are very adamant that you know, vaccine rollout will only work if the majority gets the vaccine. That's how we beat this virus. That's how we go back to some type of normalcy. And so, people that are nervous about it, or, or, or cautious, or are scared,、uh, seeing the queen, someone who has been、um, such a powerful leader through this time—I mean, and for decades, obviously—if、uh, she was vocal about getting the vaccine, I think it could it could really make a powerful statement. Yeah, and of course, a precedent has already been set in Europe for、mm. uh, members of the royal family sharing the information about their vaccination or when they had it.、Uh, we had news on January the first that the eighty-year-old Danish monarch, Queen Margaret,、um, was the first European royal to share the news that she had received the COVID nineteen vaccine. And what's interesting about this is, of course, Denmark. I believe, according to reports, has been one of the most efficient countries in Europe in distributing their vaccine.、Uh, I think one week after the rollout began,、uh, the country was claiming that they had the highest vaccination rate per capita、mm. in Europe. And、uh, I wonder if perhaps、uh, sort of the addition of having their queen. Share something like this would also sort of put that faith into something that so many people need to be ready to take on、uh, as soon as it's available. I think also in Bahrain,、uh, the king there has also announced、mm. or shared the news that he's had both doses of the Pfizer vaccine. 
So there is precedent there. It'll be really interesting to see as this sort of trickles down to other groups, will we hear from Prince Charles, the Duchess of Cornwall, uh, when they have their vaccinations? Will we possibly have the cameras with, say, the Cambridges much later mm -hmm. in the year when uh, younger people have access to the vaccine? It'll yeah, be interesting to see how this plays, up, plays out. Mm. Yeah, it's a, it's a really good point. And, you know, when, when we started talking about vaccines, we did some pieces at ABC just about w public perception of them. And I went out and spoke with some people um, just, you know, approaching them in, in, the, in the street and asking their opinion on the vaccine. What do they think? Would they take it? And I was blown away by how many young people we interviewed um, said that they were cautious about the vaccine and didn't feel comfortable taking it. So I think that, you know, this isn't something that's going to go away. I think even as you say, as it trickles down, um, having the Cambridges step forward will also be a really powerful statement. Mm, mm. Well, we did have some news from Buckingham Palace this week uh, related to the pandemic, but far from news on a vaccine, that uh, the official garden parties, of course, the site that we always see take place in the Royal Property in Edinburgh, but also at Buckingham Palace, have already been cancelled for 2021. This announcement came much later in the year last year, if you'll remember, um, the garden party events were cancelled at the very last minute but I understand uh, from a palace spokesperson who shared the news with the media that they've taken this step early because of course there are so many people that they have to hire and so many people mm. involved in the preparation process for these events. I think there's something like over 30,000 guests uh, in total that get to spend sort of a summer afternoon in the gardens of Buckingham Palace or the Palace of Holyrood House um, alongside the Queen and so a lot of work goes into this and these have officially been put um I guess, out of their misery, sadly, yeah. for, for this When year. I heard this, I just, it was a little bit of a deflating piece of news, wasn't it, Omid? I mean, I think mm. um, we all have so much hope for the future, and there's rightfully a lot of reasons to be hopeful. So many vaccines are getting rolled out. You know, we know more about the virus now than we ever have before, and uh, as long as things go according to plan, there really is sort of this light at the end of the tunnel. But then to hear that for the, all of this year, all of 2021, no garden parties, it was very deflating. It was like, oh, man. Not gonna, it's not going to be better by the summer. I don't know. Yeah. It, it was a tough pill to swallow. And, if, you know, these events, uh, I think a lot of people question what, what's the need for a garden party. Yeah. There is a real purpose behind these. And, and the per that purpose being that it's a chance for the Queen to speak with a broad range of people mm. from all walks of life. All people who have made a posi positive impact in their community and, and in British society. And she's often joined by the members of the royal family. And, and there's sort of protocol there. They will work the entire space speaking with everyone um, before they go in. Um, but this year, I think there was hope that the garden parties could take place because the focus, of course, was going to be on those that had led many through the pandemic in the past year and continue mm -hmm, to do so, including... Mm -hmm frontline workers and, and people from all walks, walks of life have been touched by it. So I think that'll be a real moment of uh, sadness for the Queen, who would have really hoped that she could have uh, shown her gratitude in, in, I guess, the way, best way that she knows how. Although maybe she'll think of something new. I mean, I just think that it's amazing the Queen has embraced Zoom calls like she has. And even though we kind of, you know, knocked Zoom calls earlier in the show, I think we're all a little tired of having to do everything over video conference calls. Um, it is just incredible that a woman like the Queen, who, you know, is older and has seen a lot of technological changes in, in her lifetime, has embraced it so fully. So I am hopeful that maybe she'll think of a creative way to sort of um, keep the momentum and... Uh, 
the appreciation and those ways to show her appreciation going forward that maybe we don't even know yet. Maybe, you know, it's going to blow our minds, something wild <laughs> that'll happen. And, you know, it'll be even bigger and better than we dream of it. I, I would love to see a sort of virtual fundraiser concerts oh, cool. or something. Ooh, People can buy a ticket, there'll be yeah. an address from a, from the Queen, something, raising money for the NHS or something What about like, like the Queen for... on Cameo? How much would you pay for the Queen to send you an, a, a special <laughs> message? <laughs> I would give that would all raise a of the lot money. Of money. <laughs> can you imagine actually that would raise so much money? I would love to see if we'll ever see a member of the royal family on Cameo, whether yeah, that is that big idea. Pitching it now. We are just full of business ideas this podcast, Obed. I hope someone's writing this down. <laughs> <laughs> this will be a, a launch for a separate show later yeah. this year. <laughs> um, well, we did see uh, Prince William uh, show up over the Christmas break uh, through a number of photos released by the Passage Charity, which is a mm-hmm. homeless uh, charity and shelter here in the UK that revealed that the Duke of Cambridge made three surprise visits to a homeless shelter before the Christmas holidays. And these photos showed William speaking with homeless residents, packing food at the shelter, working alongside volunteers, serving up hot meals uh, for people. Of course, so many had moved into emergency accommodation either by um, issues regarding the pandemic. Of course, there's been a lot of job loss uh, in the past Mm. year but of course winter and the Christmas time itself is particularly busy time for homeless charities uh, that see a lot of people sleeping rough throughout the holidays and Mm. as we know this is something that's really important to William. And Omid what's what's so great here is that not only is this obviously you know um, uh, William championing something that is very important not only this time of year but uh, you know all year long it's something that's important to him but he's also really championing something that was so important to his mother and uh, we know Diana brought both uh, William and Harry to the passage when they were teenagers and it really affected them and it was something that you know they took on as a cause as well so you know by continuing his work with uh, the passage and, and with homelessness in London uh, you know he's doing something that's important to him but also was important to his mom and continuing to fulfill her legacy as well. And we see this so much with both William and Harry. Clearly, you know, this is something that is important for them, this mission of continuing their mother's legacy. So uh, to see him doing it and doing it in a way that is just so heartfelt and and, and passionate and meaningful is really powerful. Mm. And this is a time when uh, charities such as The Passage are really experiencing a drought when it comes to Uh, donations but also volunteers I think a lot of people are afraid to sort of be doing volunteer work at a time when Mm. we are slightly more susceptible uh, putting ourselves out there and so I think to see Prince William safely in an environment with a mask and gloves and all the rest of it uh, sort of getting getting stuck in there will Mm. hopefully encourage others to to want to give some time or don't donate in some way Prince William's focus on homelessness isn't just with the passage. He's also the patron of the Centrepoint organisation, which provides housing and support for young people in London and across the UK. Their aim is to give homeless young people a future and put an end to youth Mm. homelessness. On a recent episode of the AirPod, I caught up with Paul Noblitz from the organisation, who told us just why Prince William is so passionate about the cause. 
you know, the Duke has been so committed to helping young homeless people in the UK getting their lives back on track. He's, of course, uh, paid a number of visits to uh, to your various uh, locations here in the UK. And then earlier this week, he opened the Apprenticeship House in London, which is a space that aims to support young people in their journey to independent living. Um, how impactful is it to have someone like Prince William championing your cause, but also really sort of being on the ground helping out it's absolutely fantastic i mean you can't really measure the the value not only in terms of the the, the increased profile he brings of course to center point but also for the issue of youth homelessness which in the uk affects around about a hundred thousand young people uh, every year so it's uh, it's absolutely invaluable to have uh, his 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 support and his help in raising the profile of those issues, um, but I think it's also something that's really really important to the young people he meets. So um, yesterday, I think uh, the feeling was that he, of course, wanted to help us mark our, our birthday with the gala uh, with all of our supporters last night. But it was also incredibly important to him that that morning, as you say, he came and opened a new project of ours, which is designed to support young people into employment and training because ultimately that's the the way they can escape youth homelessness in the long term but i know that something that the duke is absolutely passionate about is making sure those young people are are listened to and he spent almost half an hour with uh, those young people and i think to give up 30 minutes of his time to come and actually really get into those issues and really listen to and understand where those young people are coming from was was absolutely fantastic and meant a huge amount to those young people he met yesterday morning. Absolutely. A Centre Point was the first charity that William inherited from his mother. And I'd say probably because of that, it's always been one that he's hold especially close to his heart. Uh, take me back to Diana's involvement with Centre Point. Uh, what is, can you tell us about the legacy there? So late Princess Diana was a patron of Centrepoint from 1992 until her obviously very tragic and early death in 1997. And um, one of the uh, interesting things at the gala last night was we we saw old footage of her speaking uh, about the issues at a visit to Centrepoint all those years ago. And um, I think that really has instilled in the Duke of Cambridge, who was himself only in his um, sort of early to mid-teens when he was first brought by his mother to come and find out about some of the issues affecting young homeless people. Um, that's clearly left a great mark. And, and I think whilst we get to see lots of the glamorous sides, and of course, listeners will will know all about the, the glitz and the glamour of some of the, the events like our gala what they perhaps won't see are not only some of the lower key visits like the one he did yesterday, but also some of the, of course, private visits, which the Duke does. And he does that very much uh, for the benefit of the young people we support. And so he can find out more because uh, the young people, of course, whilst uh, some will be happy to talk to the media and be filmed and photographed, they actually will open up a lot more and really talk in a much more um intimate setting with the duke if the cameras are away so i know that's something that's really important to him is is not just to do the high profile uh events but really to to dig down and i think that very much is a legacy of 
of his late mother, who again her her speaking out on on issues like youth homelessness uh, was really critical in raising the profile of those issues back in the 1990s. Well, coming up after the break, we will be catching up with the Sussexes stateside. Today, Maggie, it is one year since Harry and Meghan announced that they were stepping back from the royal family. So much has happened since then. Uh, so many reports today about what they'll be doing next um, and how the royal family are reacting. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Welcome back. Well, it's funny to think that just 12 months ago, to this day, as we record this, uh, Harry and Meghan announced or made the historic announcement they were stepping back as senior working members of the royal family. So much has happened in that time since. But one thing that still uh, looms over this story and is still the subject of great discussion is the 12-month review that was offered by the royal family to the couple that when uh, they officially broke away from their roles on March the 31st last year, they would reconvene exactly one year later to discuss how everything has been and potentially for the door to be open to them to return should they want. Now reports uh, out in the UK this week and in the last week uh, suggest that the couple have been eager to extend that 12-month review period. But guess what, Maggie? I've checked it with sources and none of this is <laughs> they say? true. Uh, oh. They say that the couple are extremely happy with their current circumstances and in fact have dealt with all of the issues that were left after that sort of breakaway in March. Uh, remember, we were talking at the time about security. We were talking about mm -hmm. uh, how they would sort of commercialise the work that they were doing. A lot of those negotiations weren't entirely wrapped up on March the 31st. But those close to the Sussexes say that all of this has been dealt with now. And we actually have a couple who are very happy where they are. And it begs the question whether this review is even needed anymore. Oh, interesting. Well, you know, Omid, I'm curious with the review, it was two-sided, right? So not only was sort of Mary, uh, Harry and Meghan, I just merged their name, Mary, I've never <laughs> done that before. Um, Harry and Meghan uh, need to sign off and say, you know, we're happy with the way things are, we don't want to re-review it. But the palace had to as well, correct? So could the palace by any chance come to them and say, no, we want a, you know, a, a different relationship with you after these 12 months. We want X, Y, and Z. We want more control. Is that also a possibility? I mean, I, I think as we've seen, anything is possible in this situation. Yeah. But uh, I remember at the time speaking with people uh, who had not only been involved with the discussions and the negotiations, but also those on the institution side of things as well, who said that this really was the Queen wanting to leave the door open to the couple uh, so they can find their feet mm. and sort of come back 12 months later and if things need to change or if there's anything that they'll want to discuss, it can be. Now we have to remember there were some issues of contention as they stepped away. Of course, Harry uh, was very publicly stripped of some of his military honours 
and there have been mm. talk that he may want to come back in this review period and discuss taking those on again. But I think, as we've seen, uh, this is not a situation in which bargaining can really happen. And from the conversations that I've had with people close to the Sussexes, I think that they have really made peace with the way everything is at mm. the moment. And it seems to me, um, and this might come as a surprise to you, that I think that there is a sort of press narrative or a tabloid narrative that people are keen to keep going, that the couple somehow may want to uh, get something from their old roles back or that the royal family may punish them further. There's been a lot of talk about titles being taken away. Uh, but from again, from mm. what I understand, none of this is actually the case. This is a couple that really did exactly what they said they'd do. They've had their less than 12 months to achieve so much. And uh, we're now at a point where I think that if anything happens during these talks, it will simply be a chance to uh, reflect on the past year. Because as we know, um, that move didn't leave things particularly great uh, with certain family relations. Yeah, I mean, you make a good point. Thinking about all that has happened in the past year, forget about even just the state of the world in the past year, but for Harry and Meghan as well, I mean, the list of uh, new business ventures that they've launched and accomplishments that they've had. And this was, again, all during a pandemic as well. You know, I think we would have probably seen a lot more of them. We would have also seen a lot more of them uh, working in the UK uh, as well as the US. So this was not a normal year to be dealing with uh, a major departure either. So the fact that they were still able to accomplish so much and make um, such a mark sort of on the world as this, as this new couple living in California, it's actually pretty incredible. Yeah, I mean, I think to think of how much has been achieved in, in that sort of nine months from March to where we are now, yeah. you know, that we've got the Spotify multi-year deal, we've got the production mm -hmm. deal with Netflix, we have the Archwell Foundation, of course, details of that came out uh, just before we recorded our last episode. And, you know, the couple really are, are, are in their stride now, despite the limitations of the pandemic. And really the only link to the royal family that they have at the moment is the work that they do with the Queen's Commonwealth Trust. They do mm. continue with their roles as president and vice president of the QCT, which, of course, the Queen is the head of. And that's something that the Queen, I believe, is very happy with the work that they've done there. And then they also have their royal patronages as well. Um, which, again, that was something that the Queen had allowed the couple to keep as they went off into their independent lives. And uh, the palace still say that, you know, if anything changes with those relationships, it's simply between the Sussexes and the trustees of the charities or, or organisations themselves. So I really don't think we're going to see much change come March 31st or around that review period. Um, there were stories suggesting that Harry was actually going to fly over for that. Uh, but I would, given, I would imagine given the circumstances, that's not gonna happen. I mean, yeah, ho hopefully by March. I, I, I am excited for this future where they spend more time in the UK. I mean, and that, that was the original plan, right? They really were gonna have more of a, you know, life in both countries and still uh, work on charities in both countries and go back and forth and make sure, you know, Archie got to know both sides of the family. And I think that would be amazing. And, you know, this past year, unfortunately, it was just, I mean, in, impossible to, to be flying like that from LA to the UK. So I do hope going forward and, you know, Fingers crossed, Omen, it can happen this year. Maybe that's still wishful thinking, but um, if not this year soon, we can see more of them here in the UK working on things that are important to them in, in both countries. Mm. Well, as we highlighted in the last episode, 
there are still plans in July for the um, commemorative statue for Princess Diana to be unveiled at Kensington Palace by uh, both Harry and William. And of course, although there's no news on the Invictus Games, that is coming up later this year before the summer. uh, It's probably hanging by a thread, I would imagine at the moment, Mm. but I would also imagine that they're really trying to work out how they could still make it work in some capacity. Um, Mm -hmm. uh, As with a lot of sporting events this year, that's going to be a real challenge for anyone involved in that arena. Yeah, I mean, it's unfortunate. I think when it was, you know, postponed last year, no one thought they'd be talking about canceling or postponing it again, right? Uh, Two years in a row of missing it would not only, I think, really hurt the charity, but also how much it means for so many of those athletes that train for this moment and just the awareness that it brings. So I'm sure a lot of people are hoping that that can go on. There is one other thing I wanted to touch on before we say goodbye. Camilla, the Duchess of Cornwall, has launched her very own reading club. Yes, I love this. <laughs> the re- I'm all in. It's called The Reading Room. It's simple. I, I was kind of hoping for like a, for a name, like Oprah's Book Club or something <laughs> like that. But The Reading Room is catchy. Uh, and the aim of this is to help people discover new books and also create a place where they can watch interviews with the authors of those books. It launches on January the 15th. They've only got an Instagram account at the moment but we know that Camilla has really championed reading throughout the lockdowns and she wanted understand to create a an online haven for literature lovers so this reading Mm -hmm. room will encourage book fans of all different ages to discover new writers and connect with literary communities around the world which I think is a a, a great idea Uh, it'll be interesting to see what impact that has on the sales of each book that's selected we know certainly in the US book clubs always help book sales massively so well and we were kind of joking about earlier this week when I told you I became obsessed with puzzles you said you know Maggie whatever stops you from just binging TV shows for the next three months and it's kind of true you know I think that when you can't leave your home often the the default are TV shows and movies, which I'm not knocking them. I still watch a lot of TV shows and movies. They're fantastic. But, you know, exercising your mind in a, in a new way is great as well. So uh, the timing of this, I think, is really important. The next few months and people are stuck inside remembering there are amazing books out there and this is a chance to catch up on all the reading that you normally can't do. I know I've been reading a ton. Oh, but I'm curious, do you have a book recommendation for everyone? Oh, have you been reading? Good question. You know, I, you I am halfway through a book by a journalist called James Nestor at the moment called mm. Breathe, The New Science of a Lost Art. Now, what's interesting about this book is that it really goes into, of course, we all breathe. We, you know, that's a given. Uh, but, <laughs> but the book talks about how as humans, we've lost the ability to breathe correctly. And there are serious consequences for that. So the book seen, the, the author traveled to different parts of the world to, to discover the hidden sciences behind ancient breathing practices, not some of the ones that we know, but also some of the more progressive ones too. And it talks about the modern research that shows us how it can rejuvenate our internal organs, that it can help with allergies and autoimmune diseases and even help with back problems. So it's it's really interesting. It it sounds a little left of field, but it's highly recommended. Do check it out. Oh, wow. Oh, that's a great one. I have to say, I was on a less intellectual kick. I I went through like a a thriller phase the last month where all I wanted were like really juicy, like whodunit 
thrillers. And I read like seven in a row. I was ridiculous. But now I'm reading a book I will recommend. It's also by a, a journalist. And um, do you remember the book uh, Born to Run that was yes. really popular? So I loved that book. He wrote another book called Running with Sherman. And I'll just tease it by saying Sherman's a donkey that he rescues. And it's oh. about teaching this donkey to run. And as an animal lover, Omid, you will love this book. I mean, it's similar to your book, how it goes back to this basic art of breathing, what it can do for the body. He also talks a lot about this, this basic act of human-animal interaction and how you know we've lost our reliance on animals and our relationship with them, but how it's really, we've co-evolved with animals. And so when you take them away, it's detrimental to society. And so you know, he, he, there's a lot of you know, science and, and philosophical moments, but it's also just really funny because it's like him teaching this donkey to run a marathon with him it's so good and it like makes me want to go run a marathon and get a goat and a dog it sounds ripe for a documentary movie as well yes i well clearly i was reading it and i was like i need to reach out to him for an interview <laughs> i'm sure you'll like, figure I out go a way meet sherman. <laughs> well i think on that note i must go and find my own animal yeah exactly um, <laughs> Uh, thank you again guys for tuning in and thank you for all the new year's wishes uh, we also wish you a happy 21 as difficult and challenging as this year may be we are here to provide a little lightness and mm. distract you <laughs> from other things at least We're once a week together. every friday um so do subscribe if you're not uh, we've got a lot planned this year uh, a lot of huge royal moments as well and a lot of uh, dare I overuse this word already, my first unprecedented, Maggie, a lot of unprecedented <laughs> <royal> <laughs> moments on the cards as the royal family navigates uh, what has been a sort of unexpectedly extended mm. uh, corona coaster, if you can call it that. <laughs> That's the first time I've heard that one. <laughs> pretty good. Well, we have a big year, Elmid. It's a big one. It's Stick big around, one. guys. Uh, <laughs> we will be here with you every week. <laughs> Take care. <laughs>